We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, Rally, a look at the mission and vision of New Life Community Church and how it plays out over the city of Chicago. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. Did you know that one in three people in the world are scammed every year through phone calls? <laughs> I got a testimony. Uh, one in three people get scammed every year through a call that says, hey, your warranty is about to expire, or this is the IRS and you owe this amount of money, right? In a survey they did, they found out one in three people said in this survey that they did. And then if you just go and look at the amount of people that report crimes of being scammed, over 60 million people were scammed last year. Just last year, 60 million people. You can see the trend over the last five years of where it's gone. 60 million people, and 20% of that are people who have been scammed multiple times in the same year, okay? Multiple times, average, averaging around $500 that they get scammed each time, equaling to about $30 billion last year, billion with a B. $30 billion was scammed last year alone. And if you have some preconceived notion about who it is that gets scammed, we have this other graph here. This is actually the ages and whether who's more likely to get scammed. I mean, the men are apparently falling into this way more likely. And if you're a Gen Z, good luck. Uh, millennials especially, like that's the highest, right? Uh, and you know, and you're sitting here this morning, you're probably thinking, man, that would never happen to me. That's what you think. That, that's what everyone there said too, by the way. Uh, you would think it never happened to me. I'm too smart. I could not get tricked, right? And that's, the pro- that's part of the problem. We think we can never be deceived. In a really sad story, there's this teacher who is getting close to retirement. She'd been saving all this money, and she got this phone call. And it was like, man, invest in our business. Guaranteed. Six months from now, it'll be like four times as much you invest. She was, despite all of her friends, her family, everyone telling her, don't do this. Don't do this. There's something wrong with this. She still took all of her retirement and invested it into this. Two weeks later, found out it was just a scam. Man, she was so sad. She was heartbroken. Her life was changed. She went and reported to the police. And then she ended up at the Better Business Bureau to report this business that scammed her, right? And the, these people at the Better Business Bureau were like, why didn't you come to us? That's why we're here. You come and you ask and make sure that the business is legit, right? And, and she said, you know, I knew about you. But I didn't want to come because I thought you would tell me not to do it. <laughs> That's what she said. I thought you would tell me not to do it. You know, sometimes we want something so badly. We want to believe in something so much that we are okay with being deceived. We're okay with being deceived. Well, if you're joining us for the first time this morning or the hundredth time, you're in New Life Community Church, Rogers Park, okay? And if this is not what you're expecting, I'm glad you're here still, okay? This is the right place. My name's Galen. I'm a pastor here. I'm glad you're here with us. We've been going through a series called Rally. Rally. And it's all about what does it mean to come back together as a church and where are we going? That's what it's about. What Coming back together and where are we going? Because the last year and a half has torn us apart. It's isolated us. 
And for you, 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 it felt like you were all alone. Which was not what was intended for the church. And so this series is all about what does it mean for us to be the church here and now, and where are we going? For over the last few weeks, we've talked about some awesome stuff, some, some hard stuff, but like, how do we keep going? How do we keep going in the midst of hard situations? We've talked about how, how, are we, how can we be a family that loves each other? How do we make disciples? Last week, we talked about why does God allow suffering? That's a hard topic, right? Why does God allow suffering? And this morning, we're going to talk about a section of the Bible where God gives us a warning. Where God gives us a warning. And it's a strong warning. A warning that maybe many of us wish we would have heard. Like the teacher, with, you know, that wish we'd listened to with the scam calls. Where we wish we had heard the warning. But like the teacher, many of us don't really want to hear the warning. So that's like the pre-warning. I'm warning you. You don't want to hear this warning, right? We're going to look at it anyway. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn with me in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 2, verse 14. You can look on your phone, printed, whatever. We got some free Bibles. You can just raise your hand. We'll get you one. Um, as I said previously in this series, this section is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. And the reason he's writing this letter is because he's been put in prison for his faith and he's about to get killed for his faith. So he's writing this letter to this young pastor, this church he started 20 years ago, and he's giving his last encouragement, his last words to share with them before he dies. You see, this whole church has been suffering. I'm talking about intense suffering where you're dying if you say you're a Christian. That's the kind of suffering the church is going through throughout the whole church. And last week we talked about that, about Paul's encouragement for us to continue on in the midst of suffering and why. Why God has us go through suffering. We talked about that last week. So definitely go back, check it out if you missed it, because look at verse 14. Paul says, Keep reminding God's people of these things. That's how he starts out verse 14. He's talking about all the things we've talked about already. It's like, just keep reminding people because when you keep going through suffering, you forget. You forget why it is, why it's so hard. So, man, go back, definitely listen again or read this section over and over. But after he says, remind them, he actually switches gears and writes this. You can read this with me. Warn them before God against quarreling. Everybody say quarreling. Quarreling about words. That's a fun word you get to say. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. So Paul goes from talking about suffering, and he gets all spooky, kind of like these... These, uh, these uh, houses I drive by or walk by with my dogs, and it's like freaky, right? Some of these are like setups for Halloween. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? He's kind of like warning people, and he's like, warn them, warn them. And what does he warn them? He says, don't quarrel over words. Do your best to handle God's words in the right way and avoid godless chatter. Lots to do with words, okay? Here's what Paul is saying this. He's saying, you see, he's saying this because in the early church, Believe it or not, 
there was this human tendency to get into debates, to argue, to get into disagreements over Christian things that had nothing to do with the gospel. Right? Man, thank God this doesn't happen anymore. Right? <laughs> Check out, for instance, look at this is what Paul is talking about. Go to, um, we'll have it on the screen, so you can go turn there if you want. But Romans 14 is again Paul writing about this topic. He says in verse 1, Except the one whose faith is except the one whose faith is weak, without what? Quarreling over disputable matters. He likes that word. Without quarreling over disputable matters. What are the disputable matters? He goes on, verse 2. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not eat. Who does not, the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Right? Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they'll stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. You see, in the early church, there are all these debates about whether Christians should eat meat or vegetables. Right? Should they be a vegetarian or a carnivore? And they would get all worked up about it. People would be like, according to the scriptures, it says you must not eat meat. Have you read Leviticus 19? Huh? Leviticus 19 tells us. What about Numbers 11? No? Well, let me tell you about it. Let's look at it together. And Paul's like, chill. Chill, okay? Like, let people make their own decision. It's all right. They can be a vegetarian if they want. Let their conscience guide them. What does he say? Quarreling over disputable matters. Don't be quarreling over disputable matters. As our second Timothy passage says, and Romans. Look how it continues. Here's another one. Verse 5 of Romans 14. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Again, what's happening here is people are saying, according to the scriptures, you've got to recognize the Sabbath. The Sabbath. You've got to take a day off. You can't work on that day, right? And then people are like, well, I never heard about that. And then, well, you don't know about Exodus 20? How about Deuteronomy 5 or Ezekiel 20 or... How about the fact that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday? Huh? How about that? Huh? Oh, yeah. Now you know, right? And this was what was happening in the church during these early days. I mean, come on, church. Like, Paul says, these are disputable matters, quarreling over words. Get it together. I'm so thankful we've grown out of this habit. I'm glad no one just throws Bible verses around out of context anymore. Am I right? I'm so glad that doesn't happen. I mean, I'm so glad no one gets in arguments over irrelevant things anymore, right? I mean, can you imagine what it would be like if the church was constantly consumed with that? Arguments and quarreling and, you know, dividing over things that weren't even, like, that relevant. I mean, oh, that kind of sounds like us, I guess, right? Who, who thinks we have a problem with this? Right? Yeah, like... If you're not raising your hand, it's because you're new to the church, or it's you, okay? Right? Like, you're like, actually, the fruit of the Spirit, my fruit of the Spirit is quarreling. So I actually disagree with Paul on this. This is one of those disputable verses that I don't read, right? Uh, no, we definitely still have a problem with this. I feel like it's actually ten times worse recently. It feels like, at least with these, it was like the Old Testament verses that they were wrestling through. Nowadays... I mean, it's just stuff that's not even in here. We're just putting stuff in there, right? So I know I'm going to offend you all by talking about all this. So, you know, I'm not going to mention anything to do with these masks, okay? Because all of us know all the Bible verses that are in there about this. And I'm not going to talk at all about how Revelation predicts that we will have vaccines that put 
microchips in us, okay? And I will definitely not mention the name Donald Trump. <laughs> because I know that the reason we have a church on each block and we're divided so much is because we get so caught up in all this stuff. All this stuff. The peripheral stuff. I know I'm stepping on your toes. I know you're feeling like I'm punching you in the face. But hang on. These are the issues that fly in our face all the time. And we get caught up in this stuff. And each of you have an opinion on each of these things. You may be guessing mine, but you're probably wrong. Uh, and we have opinions on whether or not you should drink alcohol, get tattoos, swear, watch R-rated movies, go out and get candy on Halloween, go homeschool, public school, what curriculum you're using, and did you vote last fall? Right? These are the things that we are so caught up in. Is this resonating with anyone? Yeah? Let me read Paul's warning again now. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Let me tell you something. A lot of the things that we hold so dear to what it means to be a Christian have nothing to do with his kingdom. I mean, I know after this message, I'll never see some of you again. You'll never come back. Well, at least I got you here today. So like the early church, I want to tell you, many of us in this room, we have been deceived. We've been deceived. Deceived into believing that the extra biblical parts, the things that are beyond the Bible, the confusing, the unclear parts of the Bible even, we're deceived into thinking that's what defines a church. That's what defines a Christian. And if you're getting super defensive right now, heart's beating fast, you're getting sweaty, you're mad at me, I might be talking to you even really directly, right? Because this is probably hitting home. Here's Paul's first warning. This is, if I were to sum it up, this first section is, is this. Avoid... It's coming. <laughs> it's not coming. <laughs> it's all right, Hannah. I'm putting you on the spot. You're like, I don't even know. Avoid, there's a, there was a summary. Avoid nice looking poison. Avoid nice looking poison. You see, just like that teacher that got scammed at the beginning, so many of us look at the very thing that will destroy us that will pull us apart, that will cause our faith to get wrecked on the rocks as something that just looks so nice. Like, look at that. You know what I mean? It's, I know it's poison, but it's like in a nice, cute bottle. Let's keep it on the counter, right? Let's let the kids play with it, right? No! I mean, when you hear these stories, there's a reason we get deceived because it falls in line with what we want to hear, right? Like, we want to get rich quick, right? We want... We want all our dreams to come true. And that's what Paul is saying. All these quarrels that we get in the church, they look so important. They look so meaningful. They look so nice. Right? But in reality, they're a poison. You don't believe me? Look at verse 17. Talking about these quarrels. Verse 17, their teaching will spread like... Someone else say that word. What is that? Gangrene. Does anybody know what that is? Okay, I was going to show you a Google image, but you would have puked, okay? Because it is gross. What happens is your nerves get like 
pinch, or you get an infection, and your body starts to rot. That's what happens. These pictures are nasty, okay? I was like, oh, unsee that, please. Right? Because it starts to spread within days. Your whole body can be consumed. It's dangerous, and it rots you. And that's what all these things, that's Paul saying that all these things are like, he's quarreling over words, these things that we get so caught up in. It's like gangrene. That's what he says. It's rotting the body of Christ. They are destroying us. You understand, Pastor P, we're living in the end times. Anybody ever say that? We're living in the end times. That's why, right? And this is exactly why all of this matters. Let me tell you. If you spend more time, hear me out on this, if you spend more time talking about vaccines or about this president or the last president, whether they're the best or worst thing for Christianity, if you spend more time talking about that than you do sharing Jesus, then you are falling into the category of godless chatter. Paul's words, not mine, right? Let me tell you, if you're more active on your phone and you're like, well, Pastor G, I'm an influencer. Right? I'm an influencer. Everybody has to know what I ate for lunch. Right? Like, that is important. And you got to post on there every moment. And if you get more caught up in this than you do being a part of the body, what does Paul say? He says, you are not correctly handling the words of truth. Believe me, this isn't new. Look, Paul even names a couple guys, right? How would you like to be... Like named forever for spreading gangrene, okay? He says, among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. Like, watch out for Paul. He'll put you in scripture forever, okay? <laughs> they say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. You see, these guys were saying, Jesus already came back. That's what they were saying. That, that was the problem. He's saying the resurrection had happened. Jesus had come back, and now we're already we're past that, right? And Paul is saying, man, this is one of those things, right? And I mean, none of us ever have problems with the book of Revelation. You ever tried to read that? It's the most easy, most understandable book ever, right? No one ever uses that to prove some conspiracy theory or point or whatever, right? So no one has any controversial quarrels with Revelation, right? And, and you know, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying that's where these guys got caught up. They started spreading something that was not the gospel. As we're all sitting here so depressed, Paul gives us a little bit of hope. Verse 19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away even in the midst of all this, in the midst of deceptions, in the midst of people getting caught off guard, Paul points us towards what matters. God will hold us through it. He's like, hey, if someone genuinely follows Jesus, they will come back. God is still in control. Let me continue here. Paul continues with this analogy, and I, I mean, it's great. Paul uses an analogy, and I'm I love sermon examples, you know that. Um, in a large house, verse 20, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. So if you go into your house, you got the really fancy, like, gold cup, and then you got the little, like, room, okay? Some are for special purposes, and some are for common use, okay? Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, those who cleanse themselves from the common use, will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Paul says you've got all kinds of things in your house that you love. 
Some things are so important to you, like your TV, right? You're like, man, that thing is the most important item in my house. 80 inches, baby, right? Watching everything out there, right? Or some of you, you're like, man, my couch, that's my favorite place to be. Okay, that's the most important thing. Or, really, I think the most important item in our house is the refrigerator, okay? Because it contains all of the food. And it's twin angel is the microwave where you can instantly heat up a burrito in two minutes, okay? And have something put in your mouth. You know, there's this, this, these, these glorious holy items that is in the household that we treat with such respect, right? I mean, if the microwave dies, you go out and buy one right away, okay? Because you cannot live without the microwave, okay? Right? And, you know, and, and, and these things are so great and they value so much. And then you also have this in your house. Oh. It's a wonderful common item, right? How many of you, when you invite your family, your friends over, you're like, check this out. <laughs> Got it from the dollar store. <laughs> Look at, there's even like a little bit of stuff on it. <laughs> right? Is that what you do? No, but you have one. Right? It's in your house. Right? And that's exactly what, this is new, by the way. Okay? <laughs> you're like, oh. This is exactly what Paul is telling us right there. There's a lot of people in this world, a lot of people who claim to be a part of the church even, and within the church, there are people who are dedicated to God. They're being molded into something holy. They're being used by God. They're this, this big, important part of the house. But there's also some people who are not the greatest or most noteworthy type of people in God's house, right? They're like kind of caught off guard. They're getting into all this other junk, and they're like kind of half-following God. And the Bible tells us that, you know, whether you like it or not, God's still going to use you, right? He's like, okay, I'll still use the common thing. I'm going to use you to clean some toilets, but, you know, like... I'm going to still use you. And God can even turn what was meant for evil into good. Paul seems to say in this analogy, both will be used by God, but which would you rather be? That's what he's saying. He's not saying whether or not you're going to stop God's plans. He's going to go forward. But would you rather be something that's holy and used for his purpose, or you'd rather be the common item that he like forces to use and clean up some junk, right? Case in point, Paul's put in prison, about to die. Religious leaders, the Romans, they put him in there. They're doing one of the most horrible things. They're going to kill the Apostle Paul. While he's there, he writes this letter inspired by God, the scriptures that we're looking at today. Right? Even when someone is being used for something so evil, God can bring something good out of it. So that's, that's a powerful thing. What does verse 21 says? Those who cleanse themselves from the latter... Those who cleanse themselves from this will be instruments for special purposes made holy, useful to the master, prepared to do any work. Paul seems to imply that we can choose. Right? Like those who cleanse themselves. Right? Like God does works in our lives, but he also allows us to make choices. And when we choose to follow God, to walk in his steps, to allow his spirit into us, when we follow his gospel and stop being caught in all this other stuff, we start to be made. You see, we all go, get so caught up in the wrong things. We get caught up in the wrong things. We, we all get so easily deceived. And if you trust your own brain, you're already lost. Okay? There's no way that you will always make the right decision every time. Your common sense is flawed. Your upbringing has flawed you. Get this. Satan is a master deceiver. He's way smarter than you. He will deceive you. He will pull you off track. You think you can't. You're wrong. Everyone
around since the beginning. Day one, Adam and Eve thought they were smart enough on their own. The early church thought it was smart enough on their own. Satan will pull you off track. Throughout history, we become more obsessed with our kingdom than God's kingdom. Right? Throughout history, we've been caring more about our tribe, our well-being, versus the other people, the lost people, the people that look different than us. Right? Throughout history, we've been entrapped so much into politics versus making disciples. And many times, so many times, even right now, we look far more like this sometimes. Something that God will clean up some poop with, right? He's still going to use you, but we've lost sight of what really matters. What really matters, Paul? What's more important than advancing Christian culture? Paul clarifies this in the next verse. Look at it. Verse 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Verse 23, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know they produce what? Quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be what? Quarrelsome. But must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. What really matters, Paul is saying, pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Do it along with those called by the Lord. Do it with the church. Be kind to everyone. He says, teach others about Jesus. I love that middle part. Paul's like all riled up. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Church, can I quote the Apostle Paul over you right now? Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. That's what Paul says. But I, but I, but I, uh, uh, you, you know, avoid the nice looking poison. That's what I'm saying. Don't be deceived into thinking all this stuff is so important. I'm not saying it doesn't have value. I'm saying don't let it consume your life, right? You want to know one of the ways we're really bad at this? One of the ways we're not kind to everyone? One of the ways that we get into foolish and stupid arguments? How about what you post on social media? Woo, okay, don't go there. (laughs) What do you post on your page? What do you comment on someone else's post? Right? What is it that you put on there? I mean, if you want to talk about some foolish and stupid arguments, look no further than social media. Oh my gosh. You all know what I'm talking about. Kerry Newhoff in this article I was reading, he's got three different types of people that he talks about that are, are Christian, Christian posters, okay? You got the toxic people that are always ranting about something, right? They're always angry and riled up, trolling people. And then you got the cynical people, they're like always disappointed, right? Everyone doesn't understand me. Right? And then you got the two happy people where they're just like, got my coffee in Jesus, every day is perfect. Right? And you're like, where do you live? Right? And you know that 90%, he says, 90% of what we post and comment, at the very least, is just weird. Okay? If someone were to look at your page, you it's just weird. Okay? They're like, Christianity is weird. Why would I have anything to do with that? Right? And on the majority, is just awful and you should never post it. That's what he says. But Pastor G, I would never say that to someone in real life. What? You would boast it, but you wouldn't say it to their face? I mean, do you think that's honoring to God? That's not, I've heard people say that. Right? Or Pastor Jesus is my only place to express my opinions and my political views. It's the only place. Well, maybe you need to expand your, your place, okay? Because maybe you get in the real world a little bit, okay? Stop posting stuff on there. And, you know, if that's your only place of influence, you're going to use it for, like, politics versus sharing Jesus? Right? Is that what's going to consume us? It's just, hey, okay, my only place of influence. I'll use it to spread the party of choice. Okay? 
Is that exactly like becoming a toilet brush? That's all I want to ask. General rule of thumb, if you wouldn't say it to someone's face, don't say it. And if you're thinking, but then I'll have nothing to say, well, there's a deeper issue, right? That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying we should share the truth about Jesus. We should be focused on that, right? He says with kindness. Look at, look at verse 25. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. You see that gently instructed? How many of you like post on like you see something, somebody does something horrible, whatever, when well, you're going to hell? Right? You just post that. Oh, great job. You just saved that person. Good job, right? What does he say? He says, gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, lead them to the knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. How many people are continually trapped by the devil because we're just too busy arguing on social media? Right? How many people are trapped by the devil because they're too busy fighting within the church about politics? How many people are trapped by the devil because we've become too obsessed? Too obsessed with these really fun little things that have nothing to do with sharing Jesus in this area, in this neighborhood. Paul's saying, don't be deceived. Don't lose sight of what really matters. Don't lose sight of the fact that there's a spiritual war going on and Satan has trapped people. Trapped people. And we were a part, we were a part of them. You forget. You forget we were trapped too. We're only saved by God's grace. Man, He's taking them to hell, and we are His. We are Jesus's ambassadors to share that His death on the cross rescues and redeems us. That is what what really matters. And get this: this isn't some super spiritual thing for a pastor to do, or if you're like a super strong Christian and you're like you know a leader or whatever. No, this is every Christian. This is what God is calling us to be. Final warning, final warning for us. Everyone do that. But mark this. Chapter 3, first one. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the what? The last days! There they are! Hallelujah! Right? We all wanted. This is the phrase we all catch on to. Like, Pastor G, I'm living in the last days. Let me tell you something about this phrase. Every generation says it's the last days, okay? You say it now, read some missionary biographies. I'm not even kidding. Like, this is the last days? I know Jesus is coming in 10 years. I'm like, okay, you've been dead 200 years now. Uh, you know, every generation thinks that this applies to them, that they're living in the last days, and, you know, everything is going south, and the world is going down. You know, everyone thinks that this is the case. But what does this phrase actually come from? Paul is actually quoting the Apostle Peter when he says the last days. The Apostle Peter is actually quoting the prophet Joel, which is in the Old Testament. And this is, you know, it comes from this section in Acts 2. It's a famous passage where the fire comes down on people's heads. You ever heard that story? They're like waiting, and then the Holy Spirit comes down in a visible fire on their heads, and they start speaking in different languages and prophesying, and people come to Christ, and Peter preaches this sermon. 3,000 people come to Jesus. That's what Paul is quoting. Look at it. Acts 2. Acts 2. This is what Paul, what uh, Peter says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. What just happened? The fire? That was the spirit getting poured out, right? In the last days, I'll pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. 
Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, the last days, what Peter's prophesying about is, hey, in the last days, he's talking about right now, the Lord, what does it say? Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, right? And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The last days are any time between Acts 2, when that, when that fire came down on their heads, and when Jesus comes back. So are we living in the last days? Yes. Yes! Not a trick question. How about 100 years ago? Were they living in the last days? Yes. How about 2,000 years ago? Yes! yes. 2,000 years and it's still going up the last days. How about building you up for like long suspense, right? These last days are going forever, right? Paul says in the last days, what? Look at verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and have nothing to do with such people. And there it is. That's what we've all been waiting for. Thank you. Something I can actually agree with. I want nothing to do with the sinners in this world. These guys are all messed up. Thank you, Galen, for calling it out. You know, I'm going to go into my Christian bubble where I only have Christian coffee shops and I'm only going to listen to Christian radio and I'm only going to go eat Chick-fil-A, okay? Because that's the only protected area where I can avoid all of these horrible sinners. And wait a second. Quick correction, quick correction. Paul is actually talking about the church here. Oh, but I, what about Hollywood? Hollywood's like taking us all down south and like, you know, this political party and, you know, and Paul, and Paul says, no, actually the church is what you have to look out for. Paul's actually talking about Christians who name Jesus, but don't know him in reality. He's talking about people who name Jesus, who claim to know Jesus, but don't know his power. How do I know? The next section, Paul talks about it. He talks about these teachers who come in and they, they're a part of the church and they're tearing apart the church and you can keep reading it. But verse 5 even specifically of 2 Timothy 3 says, they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Brothers and sisters, we're not living in a Christian culture. We're in a post-Christian culture. We're far past that. And though the world is filled with sinners, us included, God is far more concerned with the people who claim to follow him, Right? but are people who claim to follow God, but are lovers of themselves. Claim to follow God, but are lovers of money. Claim to follow God, but are boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. People who claim to follow God, but are without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, they're brutal. People who claim to follow God, but are not lovers of the good who are treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Does this sound like the church? Not the way it's supposed to be, but it sounds like it a lot more often than I'd like. It sounds like you, it sounds like me. And what does God say? Have nothing to do with such people. Ah! 
Right? That sounds how, like how we treat unbelievers. Right? Paul is saying, hey, I'm talking to you. Let me tell you, throughout these entire scriptures, God is always, 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 always far more concerned with the people who claim to follow him but are not actually living it. Right? He's always, always, always more concerned with people who are living a double life, who can do the spiritual lingo, know every Christianese, right? They know how to look the part. They probably go to Sunday service every week, right? That's what he's talking about. They have all the words, but their heart is actually not fully committed to God. God has the harshest words for us when we go through the motions. Rather than the people who obviously don't follow God and are sinners. Right? He's way more compassionate towards them than us. Right? And let me tell you, those were the people that Jesus loved the most, the sinners. He hung out with them the most. I believe Jesus would actually be in the places that we would never be. Right? That's what, that's what we tell you. I'll never go there. That's what, the, that's what the religious people were saying about Jesus at the time. He's, they're like, they, they literally hated him for hanging out with sinners. Does this sound like the church? Man. Final warning, final warning that Paul gives us. Watch your heart above all else. Here's the deepest way that you and I can be deceived. We can believe that our words, our, our surface level actions, our religious shell can make up for a heart that is far from God. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Brothers and sisters, guard your heart. Don't let these things seep in. Don't let them start controlling your life. Hear this one more time. Do Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Do any of these things have your heart? I'm going to read the scriptures over you. Do any of these things have your heart? Are you a lover of yourself? Are you a lover of money? Do you claim to follow Jesus, but you're boastful and proud? Are you abusive? Are you disobedient to your parents? Are you ungrateful, unholy, without love? Are you unforgiving and slanderous? Are you without self-control, brutal, not loving the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God? Do you have a form of godliness but deny its power? Just let me tell you, this I just got we, we gotta talk about it. This is what breaks God's heart the most. Because when we claim to follow him, but we're just living the secret life. Right? If you're claiming to be a Christian and there are heart issues that keep these these heart issues are keeping you so far from him. We're seeing you this morning, let me tell you, God is able. To realign your heart. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to stop comparing yourself to everyone. Right? That's what you're going to have to do. You're going to probably have to let go of a lot of the things that you thought defined you and held on to you so, so dearly. And, and you're going to have to instead hold on to the gospel. Hold on to the fact that Jesus saved you by grace because there's nothing good in you. Right? And there's nothing better in you than anyone else in this whole world that saved you by grace. And you have to start sharing that message with everyone else. And that is what we have to hold on to. Guard your heart from becoming cold. And it's a work of the Spirit. 
Let me tell you that. It's a work of the Spirit to do that. Because if you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, no, that's not me. That's not me. No, no. And you know, and you're just pushing it all back, pushing it all back. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen because I preached a sermon. It's not going to happen because you even fall on your face, right? It's not until you are totally broken. That's what God does through suffering and through pain. And he brings you to a point where you can feel and hear his Spirit so intimately that you can change. And that, that's my prayer for you. Only He can change you. Yeah. Only He can change you. And only you know what's going on in there. I can't tell you what's going on in there. You can do the, have the most perfect life. It looks great. It looks like you have it all together. You're the best Christian I ever saw. Right? <laughs> God knows. God knows what's up. Sometimes it bleeds out. I mean, eventually it's pretty hard to keep it in that, that, that long. A couple years, we'll, we'll, we'll see it. And, you know, we'll, we'll love you still. But God wants, wants, wants your heart. So I want to invite you as we close. I want to invite you to close your eyes. I just want to pray over you. I'm going to invite you. If you God speaking to you this morning, you're saying, hey, that, man, I just want, I want someone to pray with me because my heart is there. My heart is hard. My heart is, I've held on to these things too long. I've, 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 I've named Jesus, but I actually don't know him. Let me tell you, you're not alone. You're not alone at all. Many of us in this room have been in that spot, are in that spot, will be in that spot. We need God's grace continually to realign our hearts. So let me pray over you. If you want to go into the back, we have our elder team in the back who would be glad to pray with you. And I'm going to pray with you right now. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.